In this week's episode of Studio Inter, we'll be discussing the win against Genoa. We'll be previewing the upcoming match against Benevento, this week's Moji, Frog and Moratti, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter, only on sempreinter.com. Attenzione, Ronaldo salta anche Marchegiani e mette dentro il 3-0. Andiamo, il principe entra in aria, è solo, è tiro, è gol, è gol, è gol, è gol, è gol. Con Ronaldo a battere questo calcio di punizione molto lungo per Zamorano che gira bene al centro, attenzione, il destro, violentissimo. È lo spettacolare gol da parte di Zanetti. La prima squadra che vince qua è la nostra Inter. L'Inter vince. E Dillo, campione d'Europa, campione d'Europa, campione d'Europa, campione d'Europa, campione d'Europa. I più forti siamo noi. Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter. I'm your host, Nima Tavallo Iruzzari, and I'm joined by the forever positive uh, Mr. Mohamed Nassar from all the way in Dubai. How are you doing, Mo? All good, all great. Uh, difficult not to be uh, positive in this uh, kind of uh, week. What a time to be alive, your catchphrase. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Right, and we're also joined by a uh, former uh, usual panelist uh, who used to be a panelist on Studio Inter before. You all know him as the creator of Gentleman Ultra, Mr. Richard Hall. Welcome back, Richard. How are you? Cheers, guys. I've come back because we're winning again. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm good. How's about you? You guys good? Yes, we're doing great. great. We're doing great. And um, I think a lot of reason why we're doing great is because Inter are winning again. Now, I read a column uh, in uh, Gazeta, Gazeta dello Sport today. It was, I found it really, um, it was really rather cleverly written because it's Milano Fashion Week this week. And he was comparing Mil- Milan and Inter to discount clothes or cheap clothes, given how both teams perform and play. And Inter were saved by the result. But he was raising a, a, a point that I wanted to discuss with you guys, which is very relevant to the Genoa game. Inter dominate, sure. Uh, they do concede chances. Handanovic was excellent, preventing uh, Genoa to score. Uh, but Inter aren't playing well. They're getting the results, but they're not playing well. And that this is very reminiscent of two years ago with Roberto Mancini. And people weren't happy with that. What are your thoughts on that, Richard? Um, I think he's he's right in some ways. I mean, I remember that start with Mancini. Um, where I think it's five games out of five, and I remember because I was actually at the one where we lost uh, Fiorentina. We got battered four-one, and in that, you know, some of those games, I remember Jovetic saving us at one point against Atalanta. There was, you know, it's very late, very scrappy, and I think it's a bit of a difference though now because I think the difference, the biggest difference, is Spalletti has had a bit of a tune out of this side. For me, the last couple of games. Crotone was, was poor. It was played as if we'd been playing in Europe, which obviously we haven't. And then, you know, the game, the following two games have been a bit... Bologna, of course, was slow. And again, at Genoa, the, the thing is, they are winning. And they are, you know, it's, it's a really, really good start. And I would be more concerned if most of the games would have just been scraping 1-0. But that early start, and especially against the teams you played, gave me a lot of confidence. I, I still think the squad's limited. Um... There is still improvement can be needs to be made, but for me, the next game against Benevento, if we can actually get to that point and we've got the derby and then we've got Napoli, that's what the games are going to test us. 
it doesn't really matter how we get there, but before that international break, it's really important to just keep getting the results. What do you say, Mo? Do you agree that um, with, uh, with the, the analysis in the Gazeta that you know, right now Inter, Inter and Milan shouldn't be fooled or Inter shouldn't be fooled by their, 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 their standing uh, where they are in the Serie A right now because the game hasn't reflected that? What are your thoughts on that analysis? No, I think it's, um, I mean, you know, we are always going to take the uh, glass half full uh, perspective. Uh, <clears throat> I, I think that, uh, I think that Mancini's uh, Inter, if we're, if we're doing a straight comparison between Spalletti and Mancini's Inter, uh, just like Richard said, if we didn't have those first three games, four games, where uh, we played freely, scored well, scored multiple goals, created plenty of chances, then maybe the, the comparison would be uh, of a little bit more merit. But as it stands, I feel like the last three games, there's been a story, there's been a story behind each, each performance, uh, especially the, the Bologna game and the Genoa game. The Bologna game, I mean, you guys, like, on, on last week's pod, with the exception of uh, Max and I, everyone was was very apprehensive about uh, about that game, and rightly so. I mean, Donadoni uh, put out a very very strong, very defensive side that was very well organized and was just very difficult to break down. Ugh, you know. And then, I think against Genoa, um, I, I think the the first half and the first 20 minutes when we looked really really bright, there was. A bunch of different chances that could have gone in, and had any one of those chances gone in, the the entire the entire flow of the of the match would have would have changed completely. And I think uh, the opposite of what a Mancini side happened was we showed grit until the very last moment. I mean, of course, you know, Jovetic had saved us in the first uh, first or second game Mancini season with that last uh, last minute goal, but. The, the chances were coming. We'd hit the post. We it wasn't it wasn't out of the blue. Uh, so no, I, I I think the comparison again also like Richard said like there's no there's no denying the fact that our squad is miles behind that of Juve and uh, Napoli and it is a limited squad and when a little bit of spark is required in the last 20 minutes, Spalletti's hands are are are, are or his options are quite limited in who he can. Put on the field to inject that extra bit of, you know, fantasy and uh, flair in the final third. There's no denying that, but still, there's also no denying the fact that, first of all, the 11 players on the field today are far better than those uh, who played under Mancini. A and B. I mean, of course, we all remember the Medel uh, Melo double pivot in the central midfield. If you compare that. Uh, Borja Valero and Vicino uh, <laughs> with, uh, you know, Gagliardini uh, <laughs> and yeah. uh, João Mario. And, you know, it was, it was Melo, Medel and Brozovic. If I remember correctly, <laughs> that was his uh, three in this field. So you can't, it's, 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 it's just not a, it's not a comparison that you can make. Plus add to that the fact that, you know, Mancini had come in with a, with a certain mission and a certain idea he wasn't expansive. He wasn't expansive in his philosophy or his attitude towards the team, as he was in the first stint. The first stint, he wanted to build and construct a side from scratch. The second side, you felt like he was rushing towards a title rather than rushing towards building a side. Whereas with Spalletti, you can tell that 
his his entire his entire agenda is based on creating a team, creating a squad, creating a, a philosophy, creating a, a, a you know he, he speaks of he speaks of effort, he speaks of winning those 50-50s, he speaks of mentality, he speaks of uh, you know of, of teamwork. So again. We're, we're not we're not going to kill ourselves. We're not winning the Scudetto this year, you know. Far, you know, unless Juve and Napoli implode and we have like a crazy bumper January Mercato, but otherwise it's not going to happen. But at the same time, I believe we we've, we've certainly earned third place, you know, uh, and and the team deserves to be where they are, and they will continue. Uh, they will continue to do good things. That's that's uh, that's uh, well, you know that, that remains to be seen. But um, I think the comparisons with Inter's uh, my 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 idea on this is the comparisons with Mancini and and his and this Inter is completely different because I think the club as a whole is in a different position. Mancini was found in a very very difficult place when he had absolutely you know he had a Tohir who was with all the nonsense that he was getting up to. And the, then you had the, the ownership change in the middle of that. And, you know, he, he barely got a squad assembled together and was expected to qualify for the Champions League, which he failed at. Uh, he finished fourth. Now, fourth would have gotten him a Champions League if he was there one year later, as in this yeah. year or, or this, or I mean, two years later, sorry. So I think, I think building on what you said, yes, Inter have a far better side now because we have owners who can invest now. Uh, Mancini didn't have that. But despite that, he built the team because he knows how the Serie A is. You know, he built the team from behind, <clears throat> and he he got a team, you know, to the January trans uh, to the January to the Christmas break that was practically leading the Serie A, uh, barring that result uh, against Lazio. Uh, I think the, I think the comparisons. I think that there is something to be made. Uh, there there is there are similarities, but there is something different, and that I think is is in Spalletti as 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 a coach in and of himself, as you said. He's there to build something for the long run, and he wants to get results meanwhile, as everyone has to. But he's really there for the long haul. But above all, I feel that maybe, uh, I don't know if you guys agree with this, but I feel that Spalletti is much more, has a much more modern grasp of man-man coaching than Mancini does. Yeah, and, and definitely. It, and it seems that the squad is responding to that, irrespective of his tactics. I mean, a player like Icardi praising, you know, heaping praise on Spalletti, D'Ambrosio, Miranda, you know, these are different age groups and they all heap praise on this coach. That, to me, says that he's got a very, I don't know if it's modern, but it's at least a man-man a management uh, uh, ability that seems to be much more appreciated by uh, in this Inter than any of his predecessors have had, barring Mourinho. I th- yeah, I think, I think that's spot on. And I think as well with Mancini, the difference between him and Spalletti. I mean, I, you know as well, Nima, I'm a big fan of Mancini. And, but I think he gave the players quite a lot of trust um, and, and it didn't it didn't work. When you look at I know maybe you talking about that first Inter squad, the quality of players when Mancini was first at Inter is just in, incredible. So you could allow those players to to go and to, he set them up well, but then on the pitch he allowed them to go and make those decisions and, and figure that out for himself. I think he tried to do that a second time when he was at Inter. He put a lot of trust in the players, and, and it didn't work as as well. You know, I mean, they, he, he always troubled had trouble unlocking a card in. in, in Many different games, you know, and Icardi fantastically well with little supplies. He's done in many seasons. The difference between that and Spalletti for me is that 
like you're saying, Lima, there, you know, he is more of a modern coach. I also think he's a bit more hands-on tactically. The decisions he makes, if, if something's not working, he doesn't wait and try and let it see, you know, for too long. He will pull someone off at half-time. And I, I think when we've looked at maybe Gio Mario not always having the best... If Gio Mario hasn't played particularly well, uh, you know, you can see that there's an issue in the squad. And so he will. He'll put Brozovic in there. And that's why when you see, say, for instance... You know, Icardi's coming back and trying to pick up the ball deeper. So as he's saying, it's another option he wants him to do to allow the runs of Kondreva and Perisic. He's trying to do things differently. So he's not just thinking, right, that's one approach. This is all we can do, and I'm going to sit there. So he's brave in that, in that, in that aspect. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I, think, I think it comes through. And I think that is, with a bunch of players that Inter have had over the years, and we've talked about this a lot, they, they're not the sort of team that you can just let go out and, and you know, express themselves completely on the pitch they need direction they need they've needed a leader and we always thought it was going to come on the pitch but it's 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 come off it that's a, that's a very good point uh, but if we look more closely at the Bologna game and the Genoa game uh, I think both of them kind of had the same um, they were very reminiscent of each other were in the, in the sense that Bologna obviously in my opinion are a much better team uh, they, they put pressure on Inter higher up on the pitch. They try to attack Inter uh, and put Inter under pressure, especially Borja Valero. They wanted to put him under a lot of pressure uh, in order to stop Inter from playing and succeeded in doing so. Um, with, with regard, uh, and, and with regards to the Genoa game, that was a team that was very tactically, you know, they, were, they, they parked the bus for 90 minutes. That was their, that was their strategy. They were going to go there for one point and they weren't going to, uh, they were only going to go for counter-attacks, and they never really put pressure on Inter that high up on the pitch. Uh, they they broke always uh, when Inter were far deep, uh, when Inter's midfield was far into the last third, and that's how they uh, counter-attacked us. But uh, in both of those games, Handanovic saved the day twice, uh, I would say. Um, but, I mean, if, if, we, if we compare the two, I, if we compare the two matches, for me, the game against Bologna showed just how important Gagliardini is. Because Gagliardini, if, you know, he covers that space that for Verdi's first goal against, uh, in, in the Bologna game, or his, his goal, his leading goal for Bologna, that space where you see Vecino and Borja Valero caught out of position and Verdi capitalizes on that and scores a great goal which kind of keeps uh, Milan Skriniar, uh, he, he's a little bit out of position as well. But that's, a, that's an area that Gagliardini always covers. And you saw that against, um, you saw that, that against uh, Bologna, that he was really missed. Now, against Genoa, we didn't need anyone to, to cover that space because we were at home and Genoa, Genoa weren't prepared to attack. But I'm, I'm start, for me, I'm starting to think that maybe Roberto Gagliardini could be the most important player of Spalletti's uh, Inter. What do, you, what do you think about that, Rich? Rich? Yeah, I think it's a good point. I think that midfield does need um, more than one variance then for different games. And the, the games you described, I think you, you spot on it. That Bologna one, Bologna went turned up and they wanted to win the game. But I was after that first three minutes when Kandreva got that ball in early doors. After that, it was just Bologna pressing. And like you say, it was a really, really high press, and they were very direct with it as well. And you know, a lot of that at certain times. I think the midfield could have benefited. I completely agree with that. Um, one thing that was a, just to talk about Skinner not being out of position so much, but uh, well, he was out of position. But one thing that just on a side point, I'll come back to the other one later. What's uh, concerning me a little bit is, do you know with Miranda when 
Jason Murillo used to have... If Miranda had a bad game, Murillo would pretty much have a bad game. He really did lean on him, I always thought, you know, for, for that sort of guidance. I feel like there's a little bit of a similar thing going on there. If Jay Mario, sorry, um, Miranda's not quite there. Uh, Skriniar isn't either. And it, 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 it was, that was a concern. But going back to the midfield, um, Genoa, again, that was, a, as you say, a completely different game. They turned up and they wanted the point and they would have been happy with that. Um, you know, I have liked the fact uh, of the way Valera has been playing, but there's definitely room for Gagliardini because what he can do as well is not only can he pick, pick the ball, he moves the ball really quickly as well. And, you know, especially in that Bologna game, to, to manage to break the moves down, to give cover if the def- you know, centre-backs aren't having the best game. Um, he is that type of player. And, you know, we've got... The good thing is we have got the ability to... to to, um, to add more into the midfield. One thing I was thinking and noticed quite a lot in the Genoa game is when Brozovic actually actually came deeper, I thought he played some of his best football. Um, he, he seemed to want to be really deep. He left a gap, that was the problem. But I wouldn't mind him sitting a little bit deeper as well, to be fair, at some points. Mm-hmm. So don't, I mean, he was, don't get me wrong, obviously, you know, when he did have his chances, he was quite effective. But naturally, he seems to just really drift deep. As well, so plenty of options, and uh, the, I think one of the main points that I'd be interested in is when you look at the games Inter have played so far, especially when you look at Fiorentina and Roma. You know they've got the victories there. You, I just these games now, as I said before, I'm not no, repeating myself a little bit. These are just about getting the points, and I do think that sometimes maybe if teams do sit into probably. Now, with the quality, they have got, you know, the first 11, there is a lot of quality. And some teams will now sit and think, OK, we don't want to go and concede against these. Because Inter aren't looking as shaky as they have in the past. So they're not always maybe for the taking. So I think into this season, you're going to have to learn how to break teams down that do put that many men behind the ball. Um, and it might be, and it just might be, the, the games when, you know, teams come at us a little bit more, like, like uh, you know, when we saw with Roma, that it presents more chances because it allows it to be a bit more free-flowing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, realistically, that, the one place I think we have got quite a lot of options in, in the squad is in the centre of midfield, and it's uh, certainly one for Gagliardini. Mm, we'll see, we'll see. Um, uh, what about you, um, uh, what about you, Ma? Do you agree with, that? I mean, do you agree with my assessment that I think that Gagliardini could be um, the, the most important player uh, for Spalletti, at least for this season going forward, in the sense that he seems to be able to tie together what Spalletti wants in, as he calls, move between the lines, tie together the defence and the, and the attack. Uh, and I thought that was very evident against Bologna. And when you play against a team that presses you so high up, it didn't seem that Vecino or Eder, uh, sorry, Vecino or Borja Valero, or even Brozovic for that matter, seemed to be adapted to that position. Do you agree with that? Or do you, do you, think some, or do you have another uh, analysis? I, I think that uh, the midfield module is still not set, and I think that it, it, like the, the the combination of two or three or whatever if you want to take the trequartista as part of the midfield three or as part of the uh, attacking three it doesn't matter. But those three positions: the João Mario, the Borja Valero, the Vecino. You got like five guys, six guys working on these positions, and I think. The final permutation, the, the the most effective, the optimal combination of the three hasn't been decided. So each one of these guys has their attributes. Like you say, Gagliardini is, is probably speed, getting rid of the ball quick, and, and 
giving cover to the back to the back two central defense central defenders quite well. Valero distribution, Vecino aggression. So I don't know if he's going to continue fiddling about depending on uh, on the opposition and of, uh, from game to game, or he's going to reach a point where, as he did with Roma, find his favorite three and, and stick with them. But as far as who I believe is his most important one of, of, of the five or, or six, I think it's probably Borja Valero. Because he, he, he's the one that, you know, He's the one. If he's if he's on if he's if he's turned on for the game, then he's the guy who can who can really drive drive things moving forward. So, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't he doesn't need someone next to him as well. You know, uh, making sure that uh, if we're on the back foot, everyone's uh, everyone's in, uh, properly covered. So, I don't know. Yeah, no, um, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm. I'd, I'd, I agree with what you say. I don't think it's set either. I just uh, what I'm saying is that given how, I mean, Jovic, he sold Jovetic and Banega, he sold Kondogbia. Uh, with regards to Banega and Jovetic, those are the classic trequartistas. But since then, Spalletti has been has has, has, has quote has said on numerous times that he prefers a more mobile and more dynamic player in that trequartista role than a classic trequartista that fall, that moves that roams the pitch. Now, I think, you know, that's, that's really interesting because he used to play Perotta in that role, I remember, uh, and yeah. moved Totti to a false number nine. That was his way of solving that, 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 that thing. But I don't know if, if I think that maybe this time this might be a little bit of a... This might be the first mistake under his era. And that is that I think that on the one hand, although if you have that kind of a player like a Brozovic or a João Mario who plays in that in that hole, they're much more uh, you know dynamic players. They, 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 their movement is constant. They they're fast. They they give you depth when going forward. All of that is true. However, I feel that they lack the quality that is required of a player in that role. And after we got rid of Banega and Jovetic, there's only Eder who I see who has who can kind of be. The or Kandreva even, who can be the only players who can give him what he wants. Dynamic, <laughs> no, but dynamic, no, dynamic, dyna, dynamic player. I mean, in terms you're of a movies. very brave man to say Kandreva <laughs> in any positive light at oh, this point on. in time. No, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I mean, against Genoa, he was unwatchable. He was absolutely unwatchable uh, against Genoa. There's no doubt about uh, that. I'm, but I'm, I'm not like, time for. Okay, I've got. Sorry, just saying, I've got time for Kandreva. I've got time for Kandreva. I think. You like, yeah, I think okay. Yeah, in general, yeah. He can, yeah. He, he does, so when he when he's off, sometimes it's really. I mean, general was uh, really poor, but you know, there's many a player has has games like that. I think that I think it's interesting to, you know, to to look at that sort of trepidatious uh, position and think who could be that. I mean, I really like Gio Mario when he's there. When, but again, he can have games where he just goes missing. My concern about what what you're saying there is the two the two things. One. Obviously, I know that Spletti was saying, I think in midweek now, that he wanted, like we talked about before, Cardi to come back and drop, chop to get the ball at certain points, and you just got to learn when to do it and when not to do it. I now, he's far more tactically astute than, than me by a million miles, but that just worries me because I always know how, uh, you know, to have him as that guy in the box, I don't really, it unnerves me seeing him come back. I, I, I just want Cardi to be in the box because the one thing he's just unbelievable at is if the ball goes in there, he's there. So this roaming sort of number ten, um, well, yeah, I mean, like we said, he's, 
He said that he doesn't want a roaming number 10. Instead, he prefers a much more dynamic player because he wants his midfield trio to move around because he said Vecino can play there, Borja Valero can play there. In, during mm. 90 minutes, he wants his midfield to move around. And then he used, this weekend, he used, when he was asked about Kandreva and Eder in that role, he said, well, Perisic can play there too. I'm thinking maybe if this is not, you know, it's good to swap things around, but at what point does it become a sense of, like, uh, element of surprise as opposed to lack of Confusion. Yes, and Mm. lack of quality in the squad. That's what I mean. Yeah, no, the one thing is, I I mean... Adair, for me, gives you industry. You know, when he comes on, you know he's going to work hard. You know, if he's on the flanks, I think he's, he's, he's great. I think if you're having to play almost on the counter-attack, maybe against a bigger side, I wouldn't mind him in that position. But when, when you're breaking teams down, like we were against Genoa, I don't know. I think the, the type of a, a Gerard Mario, someone who can pick a pass. But the biggest thing is, is, like you say, for me, it is as well. It's consistency. And there are, you know, if he's going to have interchangeable players in there, if he's going to, you know, like I was saying before, with Brozovic and the way that... Uh, it was really strange watching Brozovic. I actually really enjoyed the game Brozovic had. But I did think it came at a little bit of a cost. And also, as well, you know, this idea of when Icardi's coming deep and also then you give the option for Perisic and Kondreva to, to, to move around a little bit more. I don't think they utilise that particularly well. You know, for me, Inter have been the most dangerous sport season when we've actually got the ball out wide uh, to those players. And, you know, so to, to, I know they need more than that, but it's, yeah, it's going to be a headache for him. What do you, what do you think, Mo? I mean, do you understand what, I mean, what do you think about what I'm saying here? Like, do you, I see a little problem here on the horizon. Like, like, okay, so I I get what you're saying. So I, I like, so I'll say a couple of things. First, there's no doubt that we're missing a quality player somewhere there that provides something different. So, whether, whether that quality is going to come in terms of, like we were talking about earlier in a couple of episodes ago, I think it was, whether it's going to come through a, a, a step up in development in, in uh, João Mario, or whether it's going to come through a, a, a change in position for Perisic or Candreva, or, or whether it's going to come in by uh, not letting Icardi play up alone, but playing Icardi with Edit and then changing up the midfield somehow. But it, it, something's got to happen. So, so it's like we, we agree there. Or whether it's going to come through a January acquisition. We, like, but as it stands, something's, something's got to give when we need to break down tight defenses because we just kept on doing the same thing over and over and over again against uh, Genoa, and it, w- it just wasn't working out until Eder came on, until uh, Caramo came on. So... So I agree with you there, but also I think that, um, like Richard was saying, reverting to what we do best, which is really wide play and flank work and throwing in crosses and wishing for Icardi to, to find the ball, uh, that's, that's copying out. That's just going back to plan A and you know, not developing the team further, and that's, what, that's not what Spalletti is here for. Spalletti is here to really, you know, milk these players for all that they've got and find uh, uh, one, two, three different systems that will work in different scenarios. And I think it's just a, 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 it's a learning curve and 
uh, it's just a matter of time. The, the, the quality is there. The, the brain on the touchline is there. And it's just a matter of time until the two come together. And if it means that we're going to have to suffer nervy 1-0 uh, wins in the meantime, so be it. But, you know, at this point in time, in, in Spalletia, I trust. Oh, definitely. I do trust them. I'm just saying that yeah. I think that this... I mean, having had two classical number 10 players, which Paletti didn't want and he's never really liked, yeah. no, no, I, but he yeah. still likes to play with, the, with, that play, with a player in that position, but he no, also but, likes to move... I'm just saying that there might be... For me, I, I do see a problem down the line because you're going to run out of luck at some point and you're going to be... At, at, at some point, when the shit hits the fan, everyone return, you know, turns back to what they know the best. They go back to safety mode and auto, autopilot. I'm just a little bit worried that at that point, there might be so much confusion that this thing could crash. That's what I mean. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, yeah, I like, fair, fair enough. I mean, it's a, it's a legitimate concern, but I, I, I don't think, I don't think, like, I, I think that the solution will be arrived at before we reach a point where, where, where it's a system crash. Okay. That's good. Well, we'll wait and see. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, speaking of uh, the man of the match against the Bologna and uh, Genoa, uh, who do you guys think our readers at Semplinter voted uh, for uh, against Bologna? Because it was very tight. It was really tight. It was three players that were all within 2% of each other. How's about... Was Handanovic one of those? He came second. Yeah. He came second. Oh, really? Yeah, he came I would second. Have thought- yeah, I would have thought so as well, but he was beaten by one po- one percentage point. Hmm. Um, who could that have been? I don't know. Eder, actually. People thought Eder was oh. the best player against Bologna. Hmm. He won the penalty, and he did kind of move things around when he came on. But he won. Fresh out. Yeah, 23% of the vote. Eder, Samir Handanovic, 21.8%. And third, Mr. Milan Skriniar, 20%. So he was really he's always tight. up there in top three, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he's damn good, though. You got to hand it. Yeah. However, he he wasn't against Genoa. I don't think. No. He was uh, he wasn't against Genoa. Who do you think won the one against Genoa? I I would I would have put my money on Eder again. No, he came fourth actually with only ten percent. Hmm. Not Andanovic again. <laughs> so he was third, twelve uh, percent of the vote. But the winner was actually Danilo D'Ambrosio with 31% of the vote, followed closely by a player that I want to talk a little bit about who had an excellent debut, Jan mm. Caramo, 25.3%. <laughs> And yeah. obvi- obvi- obviously, people—you know—that's just know, that, a vote uh, yeah. of passion, right? Yeah, that, that's, I mean, I was going to say that's a vote of passion. That's hardly, <laughs> but you, but you cannot deny that he had an impact when coming on. And for oh, the for first sure. time, I mean, I don't know how many times I've said it on this pod. I don't know how many times you guys have said it. Inter starting eleven is not the problem. The problem is that when it's mm-hmm. not working, you need someone to throw on from the bench to change things around. And Jan Caramo, for the first time in a very, very long time. Inter made a substitution from the bench that changed and turned it around. He's, ru- he's running from deep. He ripped Genoa apart. I mean, he, in the 20 minutes, he, two red cards. I mean, you know, I mean mm-hmm. it, was, it, was, it was absolutely sensational. His movement, his, 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 his technique. I was so impressed. Such a breath of fresh air. I want to see him start again. I want to see him start against Benevento. What do you guys think? It's, it's a good game for him to do that. I mean, if you've got a, my biggest concern with some players like this, when you get 
when they come in and they are young, you know, he's come onto a big stage and he's, he's obviously fearless. You know, to come on and think, right, that I'm going to attack the game, not to be scared to run it, to do probably what he does in training and actually get it onto the pitch. No nerves, it seemed. And, and actually get the quality through as well. Not to be concerned that, you know, if he does get the ball and start and, and head off down the wing, that he's going to be criticised by his, his players. He, he, so he was, as you say, a breath of fresh air. The problem is with uh, a lot of these players is that, you know, we can very quickly, <laughs> quickly knock that out of them. Um, and so, you know, we've got some big games against Milan and Napoli come up. So to manage his, his talent properly, yeah, maybe it's something off the bench. But when you've got Benevento, who absolutely... Well, they're just falling to pieces in most games of every game they're playing, aren't they? I mean, he could terrorise them, in fairness. Maybe not a start, but definitely a good, solid period of time. Because we've been talking about the fact of, you know, if you did with Kandreva, and Perisic, of course, is Perisic, so he's always going to be at that level. But it's nice to have another option. It's nice to have someone who can really aggressively attack the game. But I just think his emergence into the squad, it needs to be well-managed. Because I would hate for him to um, be started in, in a derby or something like that and just not have yeah. the, best, the best of games. And, you know, we, we do really well at this club of knocking the confidence out of very good players. And, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. so uh, you know, it's, um, yeah, but that, the, that's but, why. But, but the thing is, like, to me, this, I mean, you know, he, he, he seems like, he seems completely unfazed by it as well. Like, he seemed very calm and very composed despite being young and uh, mm. like I know what you mean it was just one it was just like 20 minutes but I don't know I, I just felt that this is the kind of player that Spalletti can work with and do work wonders with um, he's not he seems mentally very strong he seems physically very strong he's fast technique I don't know I, he, there's something about he was he was fearless let me put it to you that way he had a fearlessness about him that to come on and make his debut at the San Siro when when it's not when when the goal hasn't been scored when the crowd are a little bit restless they're getting a bit annoyed he doesn't let that phase him and and the, to me that's a that's a quality I like in a player and and to have that in a quality in, in a player uh, playing in that position as a winger that's that's kind of rare to be that young and I think that you know I'm, I was really really um, I'm really happy. To, I'm really happy with what I saw, and I think there's more to come. Because as you alluded to, we're playing Benevento on uh, Sunday at 3 p.m. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, and we're playing away. And I've uh, I don't understand how Benevento managed to get promoted last season because I've never been playing. They are absolutely shocking. Like. I don't. What well, I mean, I I watched a fair bit of Serie B last season, but I didn't see Benevento that much. I, I mainly kept watched uh, um, watched uh, Hellas Verona uh, and Spal. But but this Benevento side are dreadful. They're absolutely dreadful, and I don't see them how they're going to. And obviously, because I said it, I, I pulled a max and jinxed it, and obviously we're going to lose now. But, <laughs> <laughs> but but no. But seriously, I I don't see how Inter can't dominate this game. I, I really don't see how Inter can't get there and completely wipe the floor with them. Matt Mo? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I agree. It's, uh, it's one of those uh, games that's uh, like, it's difficult to see anything but a walkover. So let's hope it's just as we predict, you know? I mean, it's, I mean if you look, they lost against Crotone 2-0 away. 
the, the match before that, they were destroyed at home by Roma 4-0. They, they, <laughs> the match before that, it was 6-0 six, six thrashing against Napoli away. Um, then they played against... Uh, they lost at home to Torino. Then they lost at home to Bologna. And they started the season by losing away to Sampdoria. So, so in essence, this team, Benevento, have scored two goals, is it? In six games? One. No, one. one. Yeah. yeah, they scored one. one. Yeah, they scored one goal and, and, and conceded 16. That's by yeah, far the worst. There's no excuse. There is no excuse. I mean, we've seen teams come up and... It, if you take a look at Spal, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about them when they came up because there's quite a bit of, you know history behind that club and they were very focused on the last time they were, which I think it was 1947 or something ridiculous and that whole team had a unity and in some respects it seemed from everything you read about Benevento it could have been very similar but what, what Spal have done it, they've added a little bit of quality in there and sometimes it doesn't matter how good that team unity is that in City B may be enough to get you to, into the upper echelons of the division and eventually get you, get you through but, you know, it's a different ball game, absolutely different ball games. And uh, whether it's in this league or, you know, the English league or the French league, everyone always talks about the fact of how big that step up is. And th- there's just not enough quality there. And, and the problem is for them now is that, you know, if you are, it's, I mean, it's no, you can't criticise them for shipping six against Napoli because Napoli are incredible. But once you start on these, the Cotones, the losses there to Bologna, you start looking and where's that win going to come from? And the, those players obviously aren't experienced. They don't have enough quality and, and as, as teams like obviously Inter or any, most teams in that division. And you just can't see where, it's gonna, where they're going to start picking up points. So for Inter, I think, yeah, it's a massive opportunity. But again, one thing I think Inter have been a little bit guilty of doing, which is just shaded a little bit of last season, is at certain points of both Bologna and Genoa and Crotone, we did play to their pace. We let them set the tempo of the game. We let Bologna press us. We let Genoa, they wanted to sit back and take the heat out of the game. And Crotone just used, well, they were used to that pitch, but it was, they took the, the speed out of the game as well. And if Benevento sit back and we let them, we, we need to play at our pace. First 15 minutes, it's got to be. We're going to dom- dominate that game. And if we do, I think we'll destroy them. But if we just sit there and start letting them, even if they put the ball behind the ball, you've still got to think they've not got enough quality to last out because it will just be a a siege really won't it but it's uh, I, I do want to see Inter not just come away from this with a, a 2-0 win and another poor game this is one way you want to be going into the, the, the Milan game after this with, with an absolute it would be nice to get a good load of goals in this one and get the confidence up before it well I mean one thing about Benevento is that last season when they were playing in the Serie B that was the first time in their history that they were in the Serie B. So they managed to get promoted to the Serie A in their very first season in the Serie B, which is impressive. You've got to give them that. But I don't see... Uh, but as you said, Richard, I don't see... Any, I've I, I got to say that I, I, don't, I don't care if Inter play well or not. I want us to just go out there and destroy this team because I think that if we can't win comfortably... I mean, I want, a, I want a comfortable win. I don't care if it looks good or not, but I think we've got a... I want a comfortable win. A 3-0 win... No stress, no drama, no red cards, no, no nothing like that. Just a comfortable 3-0 win 
where I think that um, actually three one because they do have a Swedish player and I know that she's Swedish. So they have a Samuel Armenteros who plays in the Swedish national team. He's from my hometown in Gothenburg. He's actually from the same part of the city as me. Um, he uh, he's, he hasn't played. He's yet to feature for Benevento in the Serie A. So of course he's going to come on against Inter and score. So <laughs> he's going to score, but it'll be too, la- it'll be too late by then. Uh, Mauro Icardi will get two, and I think Perisic will get one. So I think three-one to Inter. Um, what do you? What, what are your predictions, uh, Richard? I'd I'd be wanting a few more goals than that. To be fair, but uh, I'd like okay, I'd say four. And um, do you know what? I think Icardi he's scoring. I'll have him with a hat trick. And yeah, um, he's, he's always hard. Every time a card is it's always hard not to look at Perisic getting one in games like this because he, he is quality. And so yeah, it's uh, yeah, three to Agardi and one to Perisic. Uh, Mo, uh, Max said last week Icardi loves braces, so let's give uh, Icardi a brace. And I'm I'm really hoping for one of the midfielders to score either uh, Valero, Vecino, or uh, João Mario. One of these guys needs to get on the score sheet. I'm, I've, been, I've been predicting I can rev a goal for a, a couple of weeks now, but I now kind of hope that maybe he doesn't play and maybe we see Caramo play. And if that's the case, then maybe Caramo gets a goal. But I'm hoping, I'm, I'm hoping for a 3-4-0 three, three with Icardi getting at least one goal, one midfielder to get a goal, and then another goal from the right. I hope. Well, we all know that Candreva only scores in the derby, so <laughs> he's going <laughs> to So that's yeah. what he's going to kill it for. Well, I mean, if, right. if that's the case, then yeah, sure, by all means, stop scoring and no, we'll, we'll forgive all your crosses, uh, Antonio. <laughs> that's great. Grande candy, man. Right, uh, let's move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of, as well as criticize something or someone in the world of football very heavily, starting with the uh, negative things with uh, this week's Moji with Mr. Mohamed Nasser. So, uh, my Moji of the week, uh, I was, I was uh, initially going to say it's uh, Brozovic because he annoys me so much every time he loses the ball and and just throws his hands up in the air and doesn't doesn't track back. And I thought that, you know, if I were Spalletti, I'd run on the pitch and go slap him. He's like the opposite of Candreva, you know. Like, Candreva is, gets jeered and booed and booed and jeered, but he still runs his fucking guts out. He's, he's just... So, and that's why, that's why I think Candreva will, will... Like, no one's really going to ever turn on him too, too hard because you can always see him uh, giving his all. But then... Richard spoke so highly of Rosovich earlier in the podcast, so I kind of had to pivot. And maybe I'll just <laughs> go with uh, Agnelli and his one, uh, one-year ban. Yeah, for, uh, I mean... <laughs> to uh, the Cosa Nostra or whatever. No, it's the Ndrangheta. It's the Greek yeah. Mafia. He's basically... Let's put this into context. Andrea Agnelli, Agnelli the president of Juventus, who is now also the president of... Isn't he also like the rep- president of the club's associations for UEFA or something? He's uh, the uh, yeah, member of the executive commission for UEFA. Yeah, yeah. He, this guy has been sentenced, uh, for, for, been banned from football for 12 months for connections for selling tickets to the Calabrese Mafia. 
<laughs> you can't make this shit up. <laughs> it's, I, I don't know. I, I have no words. But it's, I mean, I mean that's, that's, that's why I love the serial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Like, and the funny thing is, like, if you, I mean, there's so many documentaries about the Indrangheta. They, they like, they, their turnover is what, like, a industrial countries being like a gross national product. Like, they make a lot of money. A couple of tickets for the Juve Curva? Seriously? Like, the whole <laughs> thing just, the whole thing just reeks of incompetence in my favor, like, in my, in my mind. I don't know. Um, anyway, he's been he's been sentenced for twelve months. Well, obviously they're Juventini, so they're going to they're going to um, appeal, uh, appeal, a, appeal. A, a, yeah, appeal and appeal and then yeah, so so he won't probably he won't probably serve a single day. But it's yeah, that's the president of Juventus, and that's I mean, what he's been sentenced for. The the prosecutor was pushing for a fifty thousand euro fine, but he got uh, he actually got fined three hundred thousand euros. So that's yeah. that was interesting. So it's not a small sum. Yeah, well, for him it is anyway. Right, yeah. um, let's uh, move on to uh, the so, something slightly more positive with this week's uh, Moratti, which will be presented by Mr. Richard Holt. Oh my God, he is beautiful! He is beautiful! Yeah. Okay. Well, this one I'm really pleased to say because. Back in 2015, um, I went to the, the Milan derby, and um, it really felt, I mean, we talked about it even on, on here at the time, I felt that that was, you know, the choreography was incredible, it was just, it was ridiculous, but it felt very much like it was almost like a last hurrah, uh, both, you know, Inter weren't doing particularly well, the um, Milan were, in, were just shambles, and the mood in the city was glum, and it was, it was poor, and the, the whole spectacle did just feel like it was two teams saying, look at us, not for one last time, but it was like almost like a cry for help. And it, the whole thing was just brilliant, but sad. And now don't shoot me, because I was actually in Milan last weekend, and I did, went to, a, it was a pre-planned trip, so I didn't get the fixture. And um, I ended up going to see AC Milan, but in, against Udinese. Now, in the city, talking to people, it was just, just generally, day to day, I'm talking whether it's, taxi drivers, people, you know, waiters, whatever it was, Inter fans or, or Milan fans, there is a massive, massive buzz now. You know, and it was brilliant because Inter fans in the city seem to be, when I talk to them, seem to be much more, it's a work in progress, realistic, but really everyone seems happy about Spalletti and the progress and that it's just little tweaks moving forward and, and felt confident. The Milan fans are probably a bit OTT. <laughs> there, uh, yeah, I mean, one, one person actually compared um, Andre Silva to Marco Van Basten, which I thought was brilliant. But the point <laughs> being is, <laughs> but, but they are very much on the up now, really on the up in the, the way they feel. And they're, they're thinking, you know, they're thinking of everything. But the point being is, it really reflects, and it has an effect on the city for me. So it's not just about the facts of the football. It's, it's almost like f football is fashionable again. You're talking about the article before, but I, I really feel that the city believes that it's back. And everyone says that Italian football needs a strong Juventus, a strong Milan and a strong Inter. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think that the Milan clubs now, I think they are coming back and I think it's exciting. So for me, it's just the, the fact that, you know, Italian football, that stadium, the Sunset, it just needs it. And when you... When people are talking about the football again as the first 
primary thing. You know that things are going in the right direction. So that entire mood, and do you know what? Attendances as well. You know, it was, it was, it was 55,000 at the Milan game. We've had 50 the other week. We had 57, I think, the week before. Those attendances. Lazio, Milan against Lazio last season. Against Lazio, it was 24,000. And this season, they had 60. <laughs> they had 60 against that, um, the Romanian team. The qualifiers his name. Cravoya, is it? I can't remember the now. Um, but still, you know, Inter have always done well with the attendances. But it's, it's there. And this, season, this season, Inter are yet to have below 50,000 a single game. Yeah. Uh, it was 51,000 the first. It was 50, yeah, 57 the first, 51 the time, and this time was 52, 53 again. And, and, and as well, when that, that derby I was talking about the, in 2015, I think it was around 50,000, 60,000. It sold out already. Yeah. It's just incredible. So my, my, um, my, my good news really would be just that football's back in Milan and it's nice and happy, so it's good. Yeah, here, but, here. Uh, <laughs> here, here. Yeah, I have an addendum to that. It's, it's, overall, the attendance of the Serie A has increased by 15%. Uh, like you said, uh, the, the Roman teams, their curva are no longer in, like they've stopped these ridiculous uh, uh, <laughs> fighting with the curvas, so they're, they're now back again. Uh, Inter, there's a buzz around Inter, there's a buzz around Milan, Juve have, have, have something like 90% uh, of, you know, uh, attendance anyway, because of their, their Juve stadium. It's still the mafia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, no, so Italian football is on its way up again. Um, I think that, to, I think what, what Italian football maybe needs to do, uh, maybe, um, although I'm, I'm kind of on the fence of this, is maybe to to um, to bring down um, the uh, to 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 reduce the number of teams in the Serie A because teams like Benevento are are are, are obviously not cutting it. Uh, I think the the although Italian football, as in the top and the teams just below the top four, are on the rise up. I think the bottom half of the of the team is 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 really two different worlds. I I can't remember when they were so poor last time, uh, and Hellas, unfortunately, Hellas, who I was expecting so much more from uh, to the start of the season, have just completely tanked. Benevento and, 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 and Hellas have scored a goal each, and they've conceded 14, 16 goals respectively, so there, there is a problem there, there is a problem there, and um, I think that for the sake of Italian football, maybe we should get back to a 18, 18-team Serie A, like in the good old days. Yeah. Right, um, let's move on to the part of the show uh, where, where I'm filling in uh, for the king of frogs, <laughs> uh, Mr. Max DeLuca. So this week's frog, uh, I'll be presenting myself. Right, um, in the Derby della Mole, in the Turin Derby uh, this weekend, which uh, Paolo Dybala completely owned... There was, after 10 minutes, Daniele Baselli got, got a yellow card. Now, usually in a derby game, when you get a yellow card that early in the game, that, that, kind of, that works as a wake-up call, or in any game, but especially in a derby game. That, getting booked that early is a wake-up call that you can't lunge into challenges, you've got to think, you've got to be much more disciplined, you've got to be much more careful with what you do. So what does Daniele Baselli do in the 25th minute? He does a drop kick <laughs> into the face <laughs> of... Uh, I can't remember who it was, but if you see the video, it is Pjanic. hilarious. Yeah, it's Pjanic, who gets 
from nowhere, Pjanic is standing in the middle of the pitch. He's not near any dangerous area. And from nowhere, Daniele Baselli flies his body horizontally in the air. His both feet stuck out and lunges out a drop kick <laughs> at Pjanic, who naturally, as most people would if they were gotten drop kicked, fell, fell to the floor in, in complete agony. And Baselli is shown the straight red card. Um, that is just so damn stupid and funny and talk about losing your head that that is dude you out frogged ranocchia you out ranocchia ranocchia <laughs> so therefore this week this week's frog of the week is torino's mr daniele baselli <laughs> well deserved yeah well, well deserved, deserved. <laughs> <laughs> right before we leave, before we end the show i just wanted to briefly touch uh, on um, well just wanted to hear your thoughts about it i mean there's been the fact that Mauro Icardi and the Curva Nord don't, don't, pull, uh, don't see eye to eye is, is hardly a state secret. And the, the Curva, I think it was two weeks ago, the Curva handed out flyers to everyone at the stadium saying that don't support, uh, don't, we, we're not singing uh, the, any, any special chan, player chants anymore because they don't deserve it. We just support the team. And they singled out especially Mauro Icardi saying that when this bastard uh, scores, don't um, don't cheer his name or don't sing his name. So uh, in, what does Mauro Icardi do? He, he posts a tweet, uh, or on Instagram I think it was, when he's scoring a goal and how the entire stadium is chanting his name, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> he's, ta- he's taking them on. Um, I want to hear where you guys stand on this issue, uh, Mo. Well, uh, we've spoken about this many times. I think uh, I, I don't understand what the Kurva want. I, don't, I really don't know what... what I, I can't get inside their heads. I don't understand what what more could they want of a, 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 a talisman for the team. That that tackle that he made in uh, the first half against Genoa. I mean, Spalletti couldn't have said it better. That tackle was worth two goals. You know, like the guy was the last man defending, and he's always up. Like, what more do you want? What more do you want of a, of a captain? What more do you want of a player? You know, it's. Uh, I'm, I, I've, I've always said I'm, I stand firmly behind uh, Icardi. I think he's an exceptional talent. I think he's probably the best number nine in the world at the moment. I think that uh, he still has a lot of development to do, but it doesn't change the fact that I think he's a, he's a fantastic player, and we're blessed and lucky that he not only plays for Inter, but loves his team too, so much. You know, so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm team Icardi. Mm. What about you, Richard? Where, where, where's your part? I mean, obviously you being the gentleman ultra, but still an ultra. What's your perspective on this? Uh, I mean, we cover at the site lots of different ultra groups, and I think I think for Inter's perspective, I don't think it's actually it's going to be that big a deal. And I think the reason it isn't that big a deal is because of the way, as you guys were saying before, the Akadi's treating it. He's treating it as a joke, and he's taking it on. So I think in that case, it's going to be okay. A lot of the ultra groups, whether it's in Rome, as we were talking about before, they, you, there's always an issue. Without issues, the ultra groups wouldn't be heard. You know, there, a, lot of these, a lot of these groups want to keep themselves relevant. Um, they want to keep themselves in the news. They want to keep themselves... Football's changing, the world's changing, and sometimes these groups don't have as much power as they would have done in the 80s and the 70s. But now... Uh, in, the, in this day and age, you know, modern football is it's about corporate money, business, everything else. And so they feel less relevant. So that's why I think a lot of the times these groups pick 
these issues or fights or um, not physical fights, you know, with, like with the Cardi here, uh, because they want to say that we are part of the club. We're more important than the players who come or the ownerships who come and go. We're the fans, and that's us. And so they they want that sort of respect um, for, from doing so. So you know, if it wasn't a Cardi, it would be someone else. Uh, like you were saying, it was about all the players. There's always going to be something. You know, if we're even, you know, even in the good years, there'll still be something. And you can see that with, uh, you know, even sometimes with Juventus, there's issues with the Orchards. We've seen it with Milan and the issue with Maldini, when things are going well even. There's, you know, there's certain things and it's just about gesticulating a little bit. It's peacocking. Mm. Um, now, if Mauro Cardi's not, not, he's not bothered about this. He's taking it on. At the end of the day, they... Yeah, okay, they don't want to cheer for him because of all the past issues that have gone on. Would an apology from McCarty help? Probably not. So there's no point. So as long as he continues to score goals, he hasn't got an issue. Um, and, and you know what? He's even, I mean, his he's, he's, he's agent, his uh, lovely wife, um, so was saying today, you know, that she thinks he could stay here for, for an extremely long time and that he's stubborn. He wants to win at Inter. It's not about just winning for winning's sake. If that's the case, then his sort of character, I mean, he's listen, he, do, he doesn't really care about what the press think of him. So he's not really going to care what the ultras think about him. Um, yeah. He's just going to get on with it. So for Inter, I don't think it's an issue. Um, for the ultras, I think it's keeping them relevant. Akadi's still scoring, so I'm okay with it. <laughs> so I, I, very I, well done. Yeah, <laughs> but, but yeah, it is very, very well distilled. But I want to say, we, and I think you're absolutely spot on, and I have an addendum to that. How pathetic they are. They want to be relevant, so they just want to pick a fight with anyone. They don't care who it is. It's the team's captain. It doesn't matter. Just hear us, hear us. It's like a little chihuahua jumping up and down on the table, like, see me, see me, see me. Oh, how pathetic. And, and I think that, to me, is, is what... They're, they're their own worst enemies, because now there is some stability at this club. Now things are going well, and they seem to be going out of their way to create instability, and they claim that they, are, they love Inter the most. To me, that's just so stupid and so pathetic. I just have no words for it. I really don't. I, d- I don't understand it. Because, I mean, the reaction from everyone around the stadium was, whatever. <laughs> like, and that's just how mm. it's going to be. Because the more they continue like this, they themselves are going to make themselves more and more irrelevant. And I've got to say, given, given how the ultra groups in Italy have acted, especially in Verona... Uh, you know, now, uh, so you can't say it's a thing of the past, but I mean, if you look at the Nazi roots of all these ultra groups, you know what? Good riddance. That, that's, that's what I've got to say. Good riddance. The less power they have, the better it is for football. I won't have anything to write about then. <laughs> Sorry? I won't have anything to write about then. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, to, I, I'm sorry to put you and Luca and all, all the boys out of work, because you do an excellent job. I've got to say, if you guys follow thegentlemanultra.com, the the you've got to do it. It's a fantastic site. It's a brilliant site. And long, in-depth, uh, uh, brilliant, um, uh, brilliant writing, uh, in-depth analysis, and also history uh, of, of how things work. So I think uh, you definitely got to... Definitely, definitely check it out. Too kind. So, that was this week's episode. I want to thank Richard. We've got to have you on soon again. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, I'll be on soon. Cheers, guys. Cheers. And thank you again, Mo. Always a pleasure. 
And uh, as always, I'm your host, Nima Tavaleiris Ruzzari, wishing you a happy week and sempre e solo. Forza Inter. Everybody, everybody, everybody.